Take your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. In my ministry, I have made a habit of preaching through the Bible, and we've been doing that here. Uh, We're fast closing another book of the Bible in the book of Colossians, and really we've got at least two more books to start soon. And I've preached through about 45 books of the Bible in my 30-plus years of ministry, and there's one book in the New Testament I've never preached through. So you get that. That's the book of Matthew. And so we're going to be preaching through the book of Matthew verse by verse, and uh, we'll begin that this morning. I probably have uh, not emphasized preaching through the book of Matthew because there's so much in it concerning the nation of Israel. And, of course, I am not an Israelite, and Jesus Christ came, and he was presenting himself to be the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, and that's really the theme of the book of Matthew. You have four Gospels because God wants to paint a full picture of his son for us. And each gospel, though they have some of them similar stories and, of course, events, they're all trying to teach us something about the Lord Jesus Christ in a unique way. And the book of Matthew shows Jesus Christ as the king, where the book of Mark emphasizes the Lord Jesus Christ as the servant. And then the Bible shows us in the gospel of Luke, Jesus Christ As the son of man, that's why a doctor wrote that and went into all the details of his humanity. And then, of course, the gospel of John showing that Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God. But when we look at Matthew, sometimes we would over, not overlook that, but just say, well, maybe I'll concentrate on the other gospels because there is so much in Matthew about the Lord Jesus Christ being the king of the Jews And we understand that the Bible is written to three groups of people. It's written to to Jews and Gentiles and the church of God. And the messages in there are tailor-made for those individuals. In other words, the truths that God speaks to the church do not apply to people that are not saved. And the things that God says to the Jewish people do not apply to Gentile people. And the promises made to to the Jewish people cannot be just summarily grabbed by the church. There are things that God told Israel, he told Israel. There are things God, he told to the church, he tells to the church. But when we look at the book of Matthew, Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews, I want to say this morning that he's not just the king of the Jews. He's my king. He's the king of the world. And there's so every scripture the Bible tells us is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Profitable for doctrine and for reproof and correction, instruction and righteousness. It all is meant to help us. So certainly there are things in the book of Matthew that are tailor-made to try to speak to the nation of Israel. We can learn from it because he is the king of kings. 
And he is the Lord of Lords. He is the coming king. And I don't know of any greater thing we could emphasize. I tell you what, I'm sure you're like me. I'm tired of politicians and rulers and congressmen and governors and senators and people that uh, conduct their authority in the affairs of men when they know not God. But I'm glad there is coming a day where the Lord Jesus Christ will sit as king. As king. And I'm glad for this good book of Matthew that emphasizes his kingship to us. Now, we're going to read together, if you'll join me from starting in verse 1 down through verse 17. This is the generation of Jesus Christ. Now, when you start with a king, you have to give his pedigree. You have to, that's why in the book of Mark, emphasizing Jesus Christ as a servant, there is no even record of his birth. Because it doesn't matter about the birth of a servant. Nobody even entertains the worth of that. And yet, as we get this genealogy or this generation, this pedigree of the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lord Jesus Christ, God lets us know it's important to, 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 to look at this. Now, you would, some of you, maybe in your Bible reading, you'll see these names and you'll skip over them. But we're not going to skip them. We're going to read them. You say, well, I mispronounce. That's all right. You mispronounce other things. It'll be okay. You get credit for trying. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Pharees and Zerub Tamar, and Pharees begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasson, and Naasson begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Booz of Rechab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat begat Joram. And Joram begat Osias, and Osias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiad, and Abiad begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Elihad, and Elihad begat Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. The generation of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice how it is singular. We don't talk like that. It says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. That is a misnomer. Some people would even say that's an error. 
It would be an error if it was said about you and me, but it's not an error when it's said about Jesus. Hold your finger right here. Look at Genesis chapter 5. And I'll show you the difference in what I mean. And it's a very compelling one. It's an important one. Because I want to give you several things about the generation of Jesus Christ from the Bible. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, verse number 1, watch how it reads similarly. This is the book of the what? The generations of Adam. We will not take time to read all the way through the generations of Adam, but it is a comparison to the generation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says here in Genesis 5, as you're here, when he begins naming all of these people, it's unlike what we've read this morning in Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, Adam lived 130 years, begat a son in his own likeness after his image, called his name Seth, and the days of Adam, after he'd begotten Seth, were 800 years. You, you notice, so you start here with a man, and everybody down this list gets the image of the man at the top of the generation. So Adam, the book of Adam's generation, we have a listing of all those that come from Adam. That's all of us. And we all have his image, you see. And oh, what a contrast now then. And do you not see the unusual characteristic in nature when Matthew chapter 1 starts with the generation of Jesus Christ and then gives a list of all the people and yet it ends with him, but it really begins with him. The Bible says here with the generations of Adam as you read, the Bible says in verse Number five, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he, he died. And Seth lived 105 years, and begat Enos, and Enos lived after he begat Enos 807 years, and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And as you go through this list, it said so-and-so begat so-and-so, and then verse 11, he died. And then another one comes along, and doesn't matter how long he lived, it ends the same way, verse number 14, and he died. And you go down, even in 17, he died. Even you get the, the, the man that lived the longest on the face of this planet, Methuselah, even after he begat Lamech, the Bible says he died. Every person in the generations, uh, plural of Adam, end in death. It is a generation of death. Everybody dies. But when you are in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, the generation of Jesus Christ, so-and-so begat so-and-so, but there's no death. And so-and-so begat so-and-so, there's no record of death. There is not one person recorded to have died in Matthew, chapter 1. You say, well, preacher, don't you believe they died? You have to understand the word generation means life. And there's only life in one. And when he gives you life, he looked at Martha and he said, he said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There is a great truth in Matthew chapter 1. There is something different with the generation of Jesus than with the generations of Adam. 
They're multiplied. They're many with Adam. But they all end the same. But there's only one that can give you life. And that one that gives you life causes you to never die. And here's the question. Do you believe that? you believe that? To give life. The generation of Jesus Christ is the generation of life. Every one of us. I don't know if you've studied your genealogy. But if you ever go back and look at all of that. It's just a genealogy of death. It's a very short season of life. If it's 80, 70, even 100 years, it's still short and then it ends. And guys, don't we see that in life? Younger people usually don't think about death, but all of us are in this progression of so-and-so begat so-and-so and they died. We're all in that boat. But this is what the Lord says. You can step into another generation. Do you remember Isaiah 53, the great, the great prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? There are great statements in that chapter about all that Jesus did for us on the cross. He bare the sin of many. He was wounded for our transgressions was bruised for our iniquities. So many things are declared that Jesus did for us in his glorious cross in Isaiah 53. But there are three questions in that chapter. The first one is, who hath believed our report? Who's going to believe this story of Jesus? Who's going to believe this suffering Savior's story on the cross? Who hath believed our report? That's the same thing that Philip preaches to the eunuch. The eunuch, he's traveling in his chariot and all of his glory and his riches. And as he's coming back from Canaan's Queen of the Ethiopians and he's reading the scripture and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he said, who's he talking to? I don't even know who to believe here. Who is this? And he preached to him, Jesus. And he believed the story. It's not enough that, that the Lord Jesus has such a, a grand story and a, a powerful Savior. Is. But the question is, will you believe it? Who hath believed our report? And then the second thing says, and to, whom of the arm of, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, who really has a story that this story has, has brought the arm of the Lord into their life and revealed that strong arm of God into their daily life? You know, the Bible talks about that arm of the Lord. It's strong. He says, oh, sing in the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. He's talking about the arm the revelation of the strong arm of our God to bring salvation and life and victory in the midst of a dead genealogy. To whom are the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah asked one more question. He says, and who shall declare his generation? That's what we're doing this morning. Who 
who's going to tell the world about the generation of Jesus Christ? He didn't say generations. He said generation. Who shall declare his generation? There's only one generation of life. It's only in one person. But the question is, who's going to declare it? Who's going to tell the story of life in the midst of the stories of death? Who's going to give their neighbors and the world their friends and their family and the people they live around. Who is going to declare this generation, this story of life of the Lord Jesus that's unlike any other? Who's going to tell it? Amen. We're the ones to tell it. I'm glad that Philip's not the only one telling it. You and I can tell it. That though your Grandpa died and your great-granddaddy died and your great-great-granddaddy died. And yeah, one day they'll probably lay your body in the grave. There is a generation where if you'll live and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never die. You know where you get that from? You get that. Take that word generation. You know, there's another word connected with the word generation. It's called regeneration. You know what Jesus said to his disciples in this same book in Matthew chapter 19? He said, you that have followed me in the regeneration. You've got to follow me to the place where you will be regenerated. Now, you know what, you know what it means to redo something? Regenerate. That means to give you life again. You need another, you need a redo on your generation. Your generation in Adam, not good enough. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Glory. I can get regeneration. I can get out of the generations of Adam and into the generation of Jesus Christ. And I can get life. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, amen, with the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We who were dead can be made alive, alive in Jesus Christ. He's in me. Now I'm in His genealogy. I tell you what, you look back through your genealogy, you won't be impressed. People look all day to try to find something they'll be impressed with, make themselves feel better about their family tree. You know what happens in the day of your family tree? It dies. <laughs> There's no fruit. It's just going to die. Amen. You get into Jesus' generation. You see how this is so why this is so important. Everything with Adam ends in death, but with Jesus, it's all life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Unto you, therefore, that believe he is precious. Talks about the Lord Jesus. That he's the cornerstone, that he's the rock. Unto you, that believe Jesus is precious. You know what he says? He says, you, you're a chosen generation. A royal priest. Because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're a part of a choice generation. A chosen generation. A privileged generation. That you really didn't have any part in being. The generation of Jesus Christ is the generation of life. Then I see a second thing here. 
He says in verse number one of Matthew chapter one, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. There's only one record of life. It's only through him. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And he says this, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now that's unique. Why would he start off telling us that Jesus Christ is the son of David? Again, he's talking about his qualifications to be the king. The son of David is a title, not only of the kingly line, it's a title of the Messiah. He mentions that in this book in many occasions. You remember those blind men in Matthew chapter 9, they're calling out to Jesus and they call him the son of David. Have mercy on us. Well, he's far removed from the birth of David. And yet he is the chosen one, the son of David, that would be the Messiah. That's why he calls him in verse number one, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. This is the generation of Christ. Well, who is Christ? You see verse 16, it's very plain. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. That has a very particular meaning to it. Verse 17 talks about all these generations at the end. It says, unto Christ are 14 generations. He said in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on. What is the word Christ? I think sometimes we use words and we don't even know what they are. Peter stepped out one day in John 6, 69. He said to the Lord, he said, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Martha in John chapter 11 verse 27. She, when Jesus told her. If, if you believe in me you'll never die. You know what she says. I believe that you're the Christ. The son of the living God. Even when our Lord was before the high priest. Being tried. Before they murdered him and put him to death. In Mark chapter 14. The, the high priest of Israel. Says if thou be the Christ. The son of the blessed. He said, tell us. Tell us. Go ahead. Put it right on the table. Tell us whether thou be the Christ. The son of the blessed. And Jesus said, I am. Jesus is with the woman at the well. And they're having that conversation. And she says to the Lord, she says, you know, well, we're waiting on the Messiah. We're waiting on the Christ, and when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus looked at that woman in the well and said, I that speak unto thee am he. (laughs) You know, the more I think about the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, guys, it's either one of two ways. He is the most deceiving, lying, heretic that ever lived, or he is in truth God of very God. There is no way that anybody could even be a good person that would tell everybody to believe that they were it. And that there's no life outside of them. That's not a good person if that's not true. You can't have two views of Jesus. Either he is a liar. Either he's the worst kind of liar for all of us to get our hopes and dreams wrapped up in him. Or he's the only answer. I believe that he's the Christ. That word Christ is wrapped up. They would anoint three people. He is the Christ of God, the Bible says. He is the, in other words, he's not just your choice. He's God's choice. 
You see, when they anointed a king, it could be the choice of men. But God has a king, and he's anointed his Christ, the anointed king. The Christ means that he's the anointed prophet. Not the prophet you want to hear, not the preacher of the message. He's God's anointed prophet. He's the Christ. He's the anointed king. He's the anointed prophet. He's the anointed priest. You can pick any priest you want to have, but it's not the Lord's. It's not God's Christ. It's not God's priest. God's already made his choice. And he didn't choose it, amen, with people robed in flesh and people robed in sin. He said, I tell you what, I want the people to have an anointed priest, amen, that can really do what's needed in their lives. And he anointed his own son. He is the prophet and the priest and the king that's anointed. That is all wrapped up into this Christ. You think about that for a minute, though. We who are Gentiles that are outside of the realm of a king of Israel or a prophet of Israel or even a priest of Israel. Do you know the word Christ is not the highest name? In our verse, verse number one of Matthew, the book of the generations, of the generation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is before Christ. You know why? The Bible says he's given him a name. It's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That includes everybody. That just doesn't include people that are looking for a king in Israel. That doesn't just look, include people that are needing a priest for their religion. That doesn't just include people that are wanting a prophet that will speak the oracles of God as came through Moses or some other prophet of Israel. No, no. I get in on that, you see. Because he's the Christ, but he's Jesus the Christ. He's the one that's the mediator for all of us between God and man. This is the generation of life. This is the generation of the Messiah. Andrew said the same thing to his brother. He said, come, I found the Messiah. I found Christ. Oh, I wish everybody would find him. Oh, they're looking for him now in Israel, but he's not there. But one of these days they're going to put their eyes on him again. This is the generation of life. It's the generation of Messiah. Then it's the generation of detail. All the detail here. I would say nobody in this room has a generation detail like this. The king of England doesn't have a generation detail like this. There are 14 generations from Abraham to David, there are 14 generations from David to the captivity. There are 14 generations from the captivity to Christ. The, de- the great detail God took in putting out every little move in the family wherewith God would bring forth his own son. The son of David, the son of Abraham. He starts all the way back with Abraham. Why did he start with Abraham? Because in Adam all are not blessed. He didn't go all the way back to Adam because there's a lot of bad stuff between Adam and Abraham. And God told Abraham, he said, In in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And the 
Bible's letting us know this is not just the son of David, but this is the son of Abraham, where every nation that's on the face of the earth is going to receive the blessing of God. You've got to come to this one that has that qualification. Look at the detail. You know what? It probably, I've looked in some of my genealogy. We, we get to a point and it's, it's gone. Now on, the, on my mother's side, I got really involved in that when I was in Virginia because that's where all her people came from. And then it went into the Civil War and then I got really interested. And I went down, and then, then it got in the Revolutionary War. And I had a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather on the Quisenberry side. That's her maiden name. And he was a preacher, a Baptist preacher. Boy, I really got interested. He was one of the first Baptists in that whole valley. And it was during the Revolutionary time. And when the Revolutionary War started, uh, he picked up a musket and went to Kings Mountain and fought. I, I, I thought, wow, that's, that's great. But you know what? As I started looking through those genealogies, I, I didn't find much of anything. Just one little thing here, one little thing there. Went back on the Logan side, and I guess our people were so poor. Come on, that's just the way it is. There's no reason to detail poor people's genealogies. We get back to 1800, and nobody even knows where it goes. I took a little test to try to find out, but don't know how it got there. Don't know. It, no, it goes back to Scotland. What I'm trying to say is when you look at somebody's genealogy, there's just so much that you don't know, and there's, there's things you miss because those people aren't important, you would think. and no, They didn't even register on the calendar of history. But when it comes to the details of the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ, God says every single detail is important. As a matter of fact, this is the genealogy of Joseph. It's not even the genealogy of Mary. The genealogy of Mary is in the book of Luke chapter 2, and it goes back 4,000 years. It goes back from Adam all the way to Mary. Every detail. You know what God's trying to tell us? Your genealogy is not important. And the details of my genealogy are not important. And the king of England is going to pass away. But this one is the only one that's worthy to have all the details. Oh, that we would wrap our lives up in him. That all the details of our life need to culminate in the person of the Lord Jesus. His line is the only one that matters. He's really all that matters. Where He is, where He came from. My life being wrapped up in Him. It's the generation of great detail. Then it's a miraculous generation. It's the generation of the miraculous No generation reads like this. He gets down to verse number 16. He says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Well, wait a minute. We have traced the line of all of these men, and now you say, this last man, oh, by the way, he married this girl, and this girl's the one that had the baby. And it's just his wife. Doesn't belong to him. 
So you gave me this whole generation, this whole genealogy, and it comes down to Joseph. And then you're telling me that he married this woman, and this woman had a baby, and it wasn't even his. There's something miraculous there. Here's what I also know about studying genealogies. There is a male gene that is passed down to every child, every male child. You ladies don't even have it. Did y'all know that? It's, 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 when you do a DNA test, you'll do a wide DNA test. You can test the DNA uh, from your mother, and it's called a different thing, but it's just sort of everywhere. You do a wide DNA test, a wide DNA test, the dad had to give it to his son, who had to give it to his son, who had to give it to his son. It goes on. That same Y chromosome is passed down to every son from the father. And that's what makes him a boy, by the way. Can we do a little biology for society's sake? I mean, if people would just do a little biology. When a child is born, the mother has X chromosomes. She has no Y chromosome. That's a fact of biology. If the mom has a woman, a a, a girl, if the mom has a girl baby, the girl baby has two X chromosomes. Now, one of those chromosomes, the the man, the husband, don't lose me here, this is important. This is basic biology. The man, the husband, he's got X and Y chromosomes. The woman, she's just got X chromosomes. So if their child is a girl, there's an X chromosome from the dad and an X chromosome from the mom. And so this girl, this little baby girl, is double X. If the child is a boy, the boy gets the X chromosome from mom and the Y chromosome from the daddy. And that's what makes him a boy. Now, wouldn't that be a revolution to the world? Are you XX or XY? Isn't that easy? And everything else is stupidity. It's not even scientific. Now, you say, why are you bringing it? We're talking about the generation Jesus Christ. So we get down to the mom. Where's the Y chromosome that made him a boy? Where did the Y chromosome come from? There ain't no Joseph in this mix. This is a miraculous genealogy. It's an impossibility for Mary, even even with a miracle, to birth a baby by herself. But a boy baby is even more. There has got to be a Y chromosome. There's got to be. Where'd it come from? Came from his father. And that's why the DNA of Jesus Christ is unlike anybody else's DNA. Amen. 
He's not just like, he's man of very man, but he's God of very God. What made him what he is was his father. Miracle. What a miracle. You should explain more about it. I can't do that. But I know this. I can go all the way back to Scotland and beyond. And there's a Y chromosome that made me what I am. But all of that ends in death. But oh, to get in the genealogy of Jesus. And his, and his chromosome, amen, doesn't go back to Adam. It goes farther than Adam. <laughs> what a miracle. What a miracle of the generation of Jesus Christ. I'm finished. I really probably need to take more time on this last one than the rest. This is the generation of grace. You know who's writing this? A publican. Matthew the publican. Is writing the greatest story that was ever told. Oh, what grace that God would choose Matthew to write about his kingly line. I think I see some grace in that. When you look at a genealogy, when you look at a generation, you go back to the Old Testament, New Testament, it gives all the boys that were born. But the generation of Jesus Christ is so very, very different because we have a woman and we have a woman and we have a woman and we have a woman in the generation. The women don't get in the generation. But they do in Jesus' generation. (laughs) That's grace in itself. But all oh, the women that get in the generation. The grace in the generation is seen through including people that should never even been included in the generation. And the first woman in that generation. If you had this, you wouldn't even put it in, it, in there. You wouldn't let all this stuff be, be known. Verse number 3, Judas begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. Tamar was his daughter-in-law. He took this woman, she probably was a Canaanite, I don't know that to be true, but he had already taken a Canaanite woman for himself. He, he could have taken Canaanite for his boy, I don't know. But he took this woman for his sons, Tamar, and he gave it to his boy, and his boy was so wicked that God struck him dead. And so here's Tamar, she don't, have a, she don't have a husband. So he took his next boy and he says, all right, you, you go into, to, that's, that was the way it is in Israel. You raise up seed to your brother and, and go into his wife. And so he did that and, and he was wicked. God struck him dead. And Judah had one more boy. And that little lady sat there without any hope. And so what she did, she went and played a prostitute. She went and played a prostitute, and Judah came by. She did it on purpose, and Judah came by. Judah didn't know who she was. She, had her, she was all covered up. And he went into her daughter-in-law, his daughter-in-law, 
And that are these boys in Jesus' genealogy. Pretty miraculous, isn't it? It's further than that. He said in verse number 5, And Simon begat booze of Rechab. (laughs) That's Rahab the harlot. Who would put that in their genealogy? My mama used to be a harlot. My mama played the prostitute. And the Holy Ghost said, put that in the Bible. I want you to put Tamar in there. He could have just given the genealogy and not put their name. He said, I want their names in the Bible. I want their names in my genealogy. I want their name listed in my generation. Rahab. Goes farther. <laughs> Five, Simon begat Booz of Rahab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Ruth. Ruth. Rahab was from Jericho. She was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite. She's supposed to be outside of the privileged family. Ruth is even worse. She is a Moabitess. And the Moabitess wasn't even allowed in the temple of the Lord. And the Lord says, put Ruth in there. (laughs) I want you to put Tamar in there. I want you to put, amen, Rahab in there. And I want you to put Ruth in there. None of them belonged. Their character maybe was wrong. Their family was wrong. Six, verse six. Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Now we got Hittites in the genealogy. Uriah the Hittite. His wife. So maybe we've got a Hittite, we've got a Moabite, we've got a a, a Canaanite. What's she doing in there? You say, well, some bad stuff going on there. Yeah, but the miracle that God let them be a part of Jesus' generation. I say that's grace. And then you get down to verse 16. I don't think we ought to overlook that. This last woman, five women in this genealogy. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You say, preacher, why is that grace? Because if you would have met Mary, you'd have walked right by her. Mary is poor and insignificant. And would captivate no one's attention, let alone someone's worship. And her testimony after her married life and after her birth with a child of a child. Yeah, that's the fornicating one girl. That's what they said. They went to Jesus, and, and Jesus is a grown man. He's 30 years old, and, and they, they still remember the story of his mom. Yeah, we, we be not born of fornication. We know what your mama did. How would you like to live with that for 30 years? 
the Lord says, make sure you put the woman's name in there that everybody thought was dirty and low down because here's the truth. I took all these stories and I put so much grace on her story. And I let the ones that had the terrible testimony in and I let the ones with the, to the terrible character in. I let the ones that were filled with sin, the products of sin in. I let the ones who were outside the family and outside the good grace of God. I let them all in and the Bible says, and such were some of you. You see how wonderful the genealogy of Jesus Christ is. He says, whosoever will, let him come. You want in the genealogy? We won't go into all the faith of these women. But they didn't get where they were by accident. There had to be some faith in their lives. I wonder this morning, are you in the generation of Jesus Christ. You can be by His grace.